Hi, this is Dan Corver, uh, pastor here at Dalton Hill Baptist Church. <clears throat> we're a small Baptist church located in Owasso, Oklahoma. We're small enough to know you, but we're big enough to serve you and for you to serve as well. Our vision is to rescue, restore, and return to service. Rescue a non-believer or a believer who has been hurt or is lost. Restoring them to Christ in fellowship with other believers with the desire that they in turn will help others along their way. Uh, we've been going through the... Uh... We had done a series, uh, we just started on another one, talked about the signs of life. We talked about being Christ-like, and if we're going to be Christ-like, we looked at uh, some eight or nine essentials, and then how does that work in everyday life? How do you really see them? And remember the first one, and obviously has to do with our aptitude, recognizing that God's ways are not our ways, and so one of the things as a Christian you can recognize uh, can be recognized for your aptitude is that you recognize and see what you're doing is not necessarily what the world says, says you ought to be doing. The aptitude, also the attitude, your attitude will be different. And uh, you know, we saw that, you know, whether it be in Philippians 4 or whatever, our attitude will be different than also our actions. Two weeks ago, we looked on, uh, we talked about in Matthew 5, the word the light of the world. So we need to turn it on and leave it on. And I think what happens, a lot of us are more of a dial-up. You know, we dial-up and... We have our quiet time, we're tuned into the Lord, and we're listening real well, and then we hang up and we get on 169 or Highway 75 or whatever it might be, and uh, our true nature comes out, and we forget about the dial-up until we get home. And so we wanted to say, if you remember, if we are doing the dial-up, we'll often miss the divine appointments, divine opportunities, divine communications, and uh, divine opportunities. A lot of things, God, you saw that with Philip, you see it with Samuel. Different things. We're so busy that God's speaking, but we don't hear it, don't see it. And so we wanted to look at that, and uh, it can be also seen in our attitude and our gratitude. That every good and perfect thing comes from God, according to uh, James chapter one. Last week we talked about to pass the salt. You remember also in Matthew chapter five, we're told to be the salt of the earth, and as such, salt. You remember, especially in that day, and still even today, prevents decay. And wherever Christians are, it helps society. And wherever Christians are not in a society, it shows. It also provides flavor, promotes thirst. It also permeates all the food. So that's what you and I are supposed to be doing. And then if you remember, we saw in uh, Colossians chapter 4 that the our salt should be in our speech. And are we causing people to be thirsty for the Word of God? Are we causing them to provide flavor in them? supposed to do it in grace and so on so I think it also says to pass the test if you remember in, we saw that in Mark it says to be filled with salt a command and that's why we talked about in the uh, if salt loses its flavor you have to constantly be taking salt in because salt is constantly leaving your body and you have to be constantly bringing it in so that takes us into today and if you wanted a title it would be fingerprints and footprints in 1880, or excuse me, in 1891, Francisca, uh, who lived in Buenos Aires, Argentina, her two sons were murdered and her throat was sliced. And she accused a ranch hand that lived next door of doing it. And he claimed his innocence. Well, there happened to be a detective who was by the name of Guan, who sent she, who was starting was investigating a new technique of trying to figure out criminals. <coughs> and 
and he used it on this case. Instead of convicting the young man, Francisca was convicted of killing her own two sons and slicing her own throat. How did he do it? Fingerprints. Her fingerprints were on the doors, were on all the different stuff, not his. And so she staged it. And because of using the fingerprints, he then was able to convict her. It's interesting when you look at it, today we have what's called IASIC, the Integrated Automated Fingerprint Identification System. And how many of you happen to be in there? Everybody. Our fingerprints are there. But your fingerprint is different than everybody else. And so I think it's interesting where are our fingerprints found? And how are our footprints involved? Where are your fingerprints and how are they involved? So I want us to look at that. You look at it. How are our fingerprints involved? I want us to look at some different passages and we'll know a lot of them. One, I think we should have a fingerprint of the Word of God. A fingerprint of the Word of God. If you think about it, uh, most of these you could probably quote, but in, uh, turn over to Psalms 119, obviously the longest chapter of the Bible. It's also dedicated totally to the Word of God. And each section deals with a different vowel. It's amazing when you look at the author. We don't know who wrote it, but you look at the author. Each uh, eight verses or so starts with a different letter. So in English, it'd be like verse one would be starting with A and so on, but it's in Hebrew, obviously. But it's interesting when you look at it, then every verse would start with A. And then you get to the second one, section, every verse would start with B. I mean, that's a lot of, you know, thinking about the Holy Spirit. But if you notice, when you ask in verse 9, a question is asked, how can a young man keep his way pure? And he answers it by keeping it according to the Word of God. Fingerprint of the Word of God. That's why in verse 11 it tells you what? Thy word have I what? Hid my heart that I might not what? 105, thy word is a lamp to my feet, light to my path. So we, if we're not in the Word of God regularly, how many of us are going around in the dark stumbling because the light is not shining as it should? Fingerprint of the Word of God. In Psalms 1, since you're in Psalms, just go back just to Psalms 1. And notice what it says in verse... So the Word of God will give us directions. The Word of God also, how many of us feel this way? In verse 2, it says His delight is in the Word of God. He gives directions, but how many people have a delight? Every day, I'm excited. I give them to read my Bible. How many of us delight? Or how many of us drudgery? I've got to do it. Got that test done. I'm moving on. And notice it's interesting. He meditates day and night. He's in it all. So even when he he's thinking about it throughout the day as he's in the Word of God. The fingerprint of the Word of God is it really the fingerprint in our life? The Word of God. Everywhere we go, the Word of God we're taking with us and it's part of who we are. In Joshua chapter 1, it's interesting when we look at it. Let's look over in Joshua chapter 1 and... Uh, Joshua, there have been mourning the loss of Moses. 
and God tells him to get up and start to move, and he's now speaking in verse 5, he says, as I was with Moses, so likewise I'll be with you. And notice what he tells him. It's interesting, he uses uh, the word strong and courageous as well as careful. Verse 6, be strong and courageous, talking about to Joshua, but you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong, very courageous, be careful to do according to all the word of God of Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from thy mouth, thou shalt meditate on it day and night, so you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you shall make your way prosperous, then you'll have success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and be courageous. Don't tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Notice, we're not supposed to deviate. How many people are wanting us to deviate from the Word of God today? All the different things the Word of God says, and well, that's not for today. Fingerprint that we need to have then in our life is the Word of God. Anything that we say or that we do. It reminds me, a number of years ago, uh, there was about eight doctors that founded Oklahoma Hospital Hospital when it was in existence. And... Uh, I worked for one of them, the son, and then I also had the privilege of working for two of the doctors who founded it. And on one of them, I was asked to on, work for them twice to shovel their driveway. I lived on uh, 30, 34th and Lewis, beautiful place, really long driveway. And I was hand shoveling it all the way up. That was halfway up. I wondered why I ever said I'd do it. <laughs> but, uh, he had passed away first, and then she passed away. I worked for the son. He was likewise a doctor. And I was told to get rid of a bunch of stuff. Hey, we're, we've had a garage sale selling all this stuff. Get rid of this stuff. So I was loading it all up in my truck and trailer to haul it to the dump. And I came across her Bible. Family Bible. Schofield Bible. And I mean, she had all the notes written in margins. You could see her doctrine. I mean, she was pre-trib, pre-millennial, she believed the rapture, she believed the second coming. Very, very clear. Had mildew on it. And uh, anyway, I mentioned it to my mom, and she says, let me have the Bible. I, I didn't have the heart to throw the Bible away. I mean, I'll throw stuff away, but I'm not throwing that away. Uh, well, when I mentioned it to them later that my mom had it and cleaned it up, then out of guilt, they wanted the Bible back. But it's just amazing. You think about it. The fingerprint of the Word of God. Why would we be thrown away family heirloom in a Bible that shows a lot about where they're at in their life. But again, how important is the Word of God for you and I? And how important is it when somebody gets our Bible, what are they going to find in it? We're all going to be leaving and our Bible is going to be left. And what are they going to find when they look at it? Mildew? Underlined? Marks? Notes? What are they going to find? So one is the fingerprint of the Word of God. Another one is the fingerprint of honesty. Isn't that what Jesus, remember they were swearing by everything? And if they didn't swear this way, then they could basically lie to you. And remember Jesus said, let your yes be yes and what? Your no be no. I think we need a fingerprint of honesty as a Christian. Whatever you say, you don't have to put your hand on a Bible. If you say it, that's it. And it can cost you. I remember my dad lost a job when we were growing up. You think about it. If you have a wife and six little ones at home, 
and somebody wants you to cheat on the scale and it says 12 ounces a pound on their side and yours it says 15 ounces what are you going to do? You need the job, don't you? Older brother married, first job accountant it's an international company here in town they asked him to cheat on the books. We're making money overseas. We're losing money in America. They wanted him to cook the books. And then said, uh, basically, you're too honest. We can't use you. What are you going to do for the job? But I think it's important for us, can others trust what I say? They can go to the bank. They know exactly what I said. I think that's something that we, you know, are we willing that. So you have the honesty of the, you know, a fingerprint of honesty. Anything that we say, people ought to think that is the gospel truth. Irregardless of what we're on under oath or whatever. And I think also the fingerprint of the Word of God. Everywhere we go, people recognize we're following what the Word of God says. Third one, I wanted to give you five since we have five fingers on one hand. I won't ask you which hand you're using. Uh, fingerprint of integrity. You know, you think about it in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 23, what are we told to do there? Do you work hardly as unto who? The Lord. And He will reward you. How many of us do, when the boss is there, how good a job do they do? When the boss isn't there, how good a job do they do? I remember doing yards, I remember we had one next door and a person doing the fertilizing, I also mowed the yard. Somebody else was doing the treating of the yard. They went in the backyard. Now, you think about it, they go into the backyard with, with fertilizer and they do a figure eight and leave. Now, what do you think is going to happen in about three weeks? What's going to green up? You got it, Charlie. The figure eight. It was real obvious they didn't do the whole yard because there was a figure eight real nice to the yard. I had another one that did it and put Aloha in the front yard and didn't think about it. It was at 36th and Peoria. I mean, on, on Utica, right on Utica. And you drove across the, drove down the street, you looked and you saw Aloha across the yard. Real dark green. You know? What kind of integrity is that? You stop and you think about it. I think it's important for us to think about it. I'll never forget when I was 16, I decided to, uh, my mom and dad worked at Sipes. Obviously, some of you remember the grocery store. My older brother was a night stalker there and two of his friends. So there was two brothers and him. Night stalking meant you, they lost you in the store and you worked all night, every Friday night and Saturday night. And so I just got hired and they were going to have me work on this night stuff. And then my older brother pulled me aside. And he said, uh, Dad Mom and I, we've established a good name for working hard. If you're coming to work here, you're going to have to work hard. Yes, sir. Yeah. You know, but that's, you know, that's good. You have integrity. And I think it's going to be, you're going to be tested all the time. It happened 20 years ago or so at the refinery. And I was told the, this line had been cleaned and it was staying clean, nothing in everything was clean, and we were going to convert it to an airline. And I needed the air. So I was going over to investigate it, and everything looked good. 
Well, you're not allowed to do any work without having a work permit or stuff. And I had a valve thing. Oh, I'll just take and put the valve on. Now, remember, that's, that's not what the rules say. I went to turn the valve. It hadn't been steamed. It hadn't been cleaned. And it was had the line was 20 feet up in the air coming down to the ground. Maybe have head pressure. You take that valve off and you used to have slop oil in it. What do you think happened? I'm covered in slop oil and it's around everywhere. Now it stopped and I you know, put a valve on. What do you can do? You turn it in and I about lost my job. And people told me that I worked with, why don't you get a hold of us? You know, we're going to have to clean it up. We would have come right over and cleaned it up. Nobody would have known the difference. Is that what the rules say? No. So you have integrity. And it costs, obviously, because it has to do with my evaluation. What kind of evaluation do you think I got that year? Okay, that affects your raise. That, that raise is still affecting me today. Because if you don't get that $1,000 or whatever that year, the next year you didn't get it, and the next year you didn't get it, and the next year, so it affects you from then on. But what's important? integrity. That's what you're told to do, and when you mess up, you own up to your mistakes. And don't try to have people... I, mean, I think it's important for all of us. The fingerprint... What is your name synonymous with? That way when they ask you... You know, I have some that I work with, and you ask them, you never know. You, you, know, you know, even if you've done investigation, oh, I did this, I did that, and you can look and say, there's no way you could have. I'm looking right at it. He didn't do it. So as a believer, you need the fingerprint of the Word of God. You need the fingerprint of honesty. You need the fingerprint of integrity. A fourth one I think that we need is the fingerprint of prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, our attitude, remember it says, pray without what? Pray without ceasing. Every circumstance we need to pray. How many of us think, it's, well, it's not that important. Go back in the in the book of uh, in Joshua. Did they pray about AI? Oh, we don't need to send that many people. We're you know we're and they had great defeat. Didn't think about it. What about the Gibeonites? Did they pray about the Gibeonites? Remember, all oh, they've traveled along. They're they're you got holes in their stuff and their food's all moldy. They're telling us the truth. They didn't pray about. It, didn't seek it, nothing, and it caused the problem with the Israelites from then on. I think a lot of times we don't pray because we think we got it all under cover. Not only is our attitude, what about our actions? You know, in Philippians 4, be anxious for nothing but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Think about it. The fingerprint of prayer. You remember I told you the author of that last that song that we sang, the J. Wilburn Chapman? It's an interesting story about him. He had just started young pastor of a church in Philadelphia. And after his first message or so, an elderly and firm man comes up to him and says, uh, you're, basically, you're not, you know, you're not big enough or good enough or whatever to be the pastor of this church as young as you are. But I and two other men have committed to pray for you. That then turned to over 100 individuals praying for him. And in the first year, 1,100 people came to know Christ because 
of those people praying. He recognized he couldn't do it, but because of prayer of those people, they made it. Interesting <laughs> how he wrote a song later about it. If you think about it, how important is prayer? We had the same one I told you before with the man. He had been on his third church, and each church he'd been to, it hadn't gone well. And all of a sudden, things were ready to go on well. He couldn't figure out what was why it was going well. And he was asked to visit a lady. And the lady who comes every Sunday, she'd sit in the back and she'd fall asleep. Every service. I told you before about her. and So when he came to visit her, she was terminally ill. And he, she asked him, uh, Pastor, I'd like you to find my replacement for what I do for the church. Now, how would you feel if you're the pastor? He said, he goes, I couldn't figure out what you did. I, every Sunday she was asleep. And he said, well, ma'am, I'm sorry, but what do you what do you do? She said, I committed when you came every Saturday night to pray all night for Sunday service and for you. He said, bingo, I knew what the difference was in this church than any other church I've been at was this lady. He said, I definitely wanted to find a replacement. So I think it's important. What about the fingerprint of prayer? We saw that in Sunday school to even today. Just the importance of prayer, but the importance of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Do we really believe in It's one of the reasons why I think the uh, people are asked to pray all the time. We have the women's prayer chain. My dad calls me every Thursday with the prayer request. He wants all the updates so he can pray. The importance to recognize the fingerprint of prayer. And I think it's, you know, you stop and you think about it, that's how important that is. But I think another one, the fifth one, the fingerprint of a consistent, enduring testimony. Consistent, enduring testimony. How many of us can say what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1? He says it also in chapter 4. 1 Corinthians 11, and verse 1. Real short verse. He says it also in chapter 4. But what does he tell you in 1 Corinthians 11, in verse 1? Be imitators of me, just as I am of Christ. Boy, how many of us can go around doing that? The fingerprint of consistent, enduring testimony. You guys want to know how to do it? Just do what I do. Now, it, that's what we want to get. We want our kids to be able to look at us, our grandkids to look at us. And what do you do? And how do you do it? I think it's important when you stop and you think about it, you know, the fingerprints. And so you think about it, the pattern, the pass it on. Isn't that what Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.22? What you have been taught, Timothy, teach to faithful men who can then teach others. How I do it, you give it to somebody else, they then can do it. Otherwise, I think it's part of where our country is today. We haven't passed it on, and we're in a place... But we don't have the fingerprint of honesty, integrity. We don't have the fingerprint of the Word of God. We don't have the fingerprint of prayer. Any of those. So much of those are not with us today. But I think it's important is the on the fingerprints is you've got to have footprints. How can my fingerprint leave this church and get into the community? It's because I need my feet to take me there. And I think it's important when you look at it I'll give you one that's interesting. I'll just read this to you. This was uh, talking about our actions. In John chapter 13, 
you don't have to turn there because you'll know it when I start to give it to you. By this shall all men know you're my disciples' love. If you have love one for another. You go to chapter 14 and verse 15. If you love me, you will what? Keep my commandments. So if you want to know if somebody is a believer, Jesus says, do they love one another? Are they keeping my commandments? Are we told to go into all the world? Are we told to be ambassadors? Are we told to be salt? Are we told to be light? If we have been, then we're told we can see it by what we're saying. Let me give you uh, some different ones. I think this was interesting by our actions. The uh, an interesting statement that was made. Maybe y'all can re- remember some of these as well. Uh, well, the uh, the fingerprint part. The uh, certain, how many of you ever heard of Sir uh, Francis of Assisi? He was asked by a young man. He he had gone to town every day, and he asked the young man to accompany him. And the young man was coming to accompany him, and he said, "We're going to go into town and preach today." So they go into town to preach that day, and when they were in town, they walked all the way, all the different byways, and went everywhere, walking everywhere. And they walked back, and finally at the end of the day, got back to the monastery. And the young man said, But, uh, uh, Father, you didn't, uh, we didn't preach to anybody today. And he said, No, we preached to people everywhere we went. Everyone was watching us closely by our actions. And then he then made this statement. It is of no use, my son, to walk anywhere to preach unless we preach everywhere we walk. And that's a lot of truth to that. We are preaching everywhere we go. We may not like the message we're given, but we're preaching everywhere we go. What about this poem? <clears throat> you are waiting, you're wanting a gospel, a chapter each day, by the deeds that you do, by the words that you say. Men, read what you write, whether faithless or true. Say, what's the gospel according to you? There's a lot of truth when you start looking at it. Uh, you look at some of these different ones. Here's another one. Most of the people I work with are visual learners. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one walk with me than merely show the way. The eyes are better pupil and much sharper than the ear. Fine counsel can confuse me, but examples are always clear. The lectures you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do. How many of us are really doing that? Our fingerprints, footprints, where are we going? And they want to know. You know, I've had it mentioned before, I had a co-worker, and he now has talks. And I went up to him and said, you must be a believer. We've had good time. Why did I think he was a believer? His actions. His actions. His attitude. There was no question that I knew he was a believer. But can people say that about you and I? Our attitudes. I think it's interesting you look at it too. What about in 1 Peter 3 and verse 15? Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the joy that's in you. How many times do people come up to you and say, Man, that was terrible what happened. How can you have an attitude like that? Some things happened to Jean at work this week, and that's what she was really working hard on, trying to have the right attitude in the midst of things that happened that were not good. And we need God's help to do that. So be thinking about 
Let me give you a couple of examples. John, how many of you ever heard of a man by the name of John Giddy? He was a missionary, a Canadian missionary, and he went to an island in 1848. He landed, and he started to pray. They're cannibals. How many of you want to work with cannibals? And they're most, they believed in lying, stealing, but their favorite dish was human flesh. And you start praying for them. He died just before Christmas of 1872. So you're talking about 24 years. And this is what was interesting said. Their sign, here lies John Getty. Before he came, there was, no, there was only heathen on this island. When he left, there was only Christians. A permanent mark. Only heathen, all believers. Now granted, we're not going to have that kind of success apart from the God. But what what kind of a testimony relying on the Holy Spirit can you have? His footprints and his fingerprints. It's interesting, in January of 2001, I was at, just started the refinery and I was asked to be on a jury. Oh joy. The one and only time I was ever on a jury. It was a federal case. Some of you might remember the... Uh, the case in which a fire was set off in the federal building downtown. And what it happened to be, and that I was asked and everybody on the deal says, can you convict people on circumstantial evidence? Okay, so they presented the evidence as this young man and what you had is one of the downstairs rooms had been closed for over six months. It had been broken into his fingerprint was up inside the place that was closed. On the third floor happened to be the files, and he climbed up over into the ceiling and dropped down and opened the files and burned only his case and other things. All he had is that when you go through it, and most several on the jury said, well, we, we need to set an example to the state. They didn't do well, and we need to do this. But as I was talking to the jury, I said, okay, why is his fingerprints inside of this room? Why? That's a closed room. Why is only his file burned? Now, his older brother was likewise there, but there's no fingerprints. He had to have help because he couldn't have escalated over these walls and stuff like that. There was a gun outside that happened to be used to break in stuff, but no fingerprints. Only his fingerprints. But obviously we uh, then convicted him because of that evidence. Because why was he in that room in a building that was locked and closed? And only his file was burned, no, no other files. And interesting, but again, where are my feet taking me to place my fingerprints? And are my fingerprints placed where they should be? How permanent? I put it on glass. How long would that last? A little glass cleaner, what happens? Do I want my fingerprints to last for eternity? Am I doing it for His glory? And where am I doing it? Is it just simply in a little confined space? So think about it as we go through it. Can others trust what I say? Can others, really, they look at me and I say, there goes Christ. Isn't that what a Christian is? A little Christ? 
Can they believe what I say? And I think it's important when we look at it. The song we're going to uh, sing and close with, it's the chorus, if you'll see it at 456. But uh, all the words are really pretty amazing to it, actually. When you uh, hear, i give you part of it, because you, it's not on there. <clears throat> we'll, we'll sing the chorus, and uh, I'll let Shelly, who has never sung it, do that for you. But this is part of earlier. I want to give you what some of the verses actually say. John Marr wrote it, I believe, in, in uh, 87. Let's see if this will fit us. After all our hopes and dreams have come and gone, and our children sift through all we've left behind, may the clues they, they discover and the memories they uncover become the light that lead them on the road we each must face and find. Oh, all may come behind us find the faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave lead them to believe and the lives we live inspire them to obey. And isn't that what we want? When people look at our fingerprints or our footprints and we're showing them how to do something. We'd love for you to come and visit with us and fellowship with us. We're located at 8263 North Owasso Expressway, which is on the east side of Highway 169 North, between 76th and 86th Street North. We have coffee and fellowship from 8.30 to 9 Sundays, followed by Sunday school for all ages from 9 to 9.45, and our Sunday morning worship service is from 10 to 11. We likewise have a Wednesday night service for all ages from 7 to 8. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, and in every way the Lord be with you all the time.